Welcome to episode 27 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversation with Psycharmor trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to psychomer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by the generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. This episode is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military cultural content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. And you can find more about PsychArmor at psycharmor.org. This week, I'm having a conversation with the president and executive director of Tech for Troops, Mr. Mark Casper. Mark is a United States Marine Corps veteran and a career IT expert who focused on large-scale government and civilian IT projects. He's worked with Northrop Grumman, Capital One, and is a contractor for CPIC planning for the Department of Veterans Affairs. He leads Tech for Troops, a Virginia-based nonprofit dedicated to empowering veterans with computers, skills, and information technology workforce training. You can find out more about Mark by taking a look at his bio in our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with him and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. You've had a pretty busy career, first the Marine Corps, then the corporate sector with companies like Capital One, Northrop Grumman, before moving in the nonprofit sector. I'm interested to hear about your journey from the military through corporate America to Text for Troops. Sure. So I, I was extremely lucky and blessed to have married a woman who is smarter than me and, of course, better looking than me and all that other stuff. So I, we got married when I was in the Marine Corps in 1985. And when I got out, I had the tiger by the tail, I thought. I'm a Marine. I'm going to be flying in corporate jets. I'm going to be doing all because I'm me. And come to find out, no, that's not good enough in the world. And she was a school teacher, or she is a school teacher, I should say. And of course, her steady income allowed us to stay afloat many months because Mark was floundering. I got my degree. I had kids. I got my degree late. I didn't graduate till 1997. And at that point, I, my, my life started journeying up. So getting out in 87 to 97, I did all sorts of oddball jobs, just a lot of other folks do. But it was always a progression up, very small steps at that time. And then when I graduated, I got a job at Capital One, which actually sent me on my journey and more to the professional level. I became uh, IT certified. I was NT, Microsoft NT certified. And then I became a project manager, IT project manager, which allowed me to then grow to the next level, which was Northrop Grumman operations manager. And then I went to another smaller company where I was with the VA as a contractor and then went back to Capital One because I didn't want to travel to DC. And then I said, I'm smart enough. I'm going to start my own company. And that's where I met the founder of Tech for Troops. So I was at a networking event talking about my role, what I was doing. And she's like, do you want to be on the board? And I'm like, absolutely, I do. Let me come and check the place out. But I'm already going to say yes, because it's a veteran organization. And being a Marine, I knew that's where I needed to be. And when I walked in the door, my, my head exploded. I knew I was home. I, I literally had lightning bolts and, and stuff coming out my ears. It was just this amazing feeling that I had. I, I was, it was a God wink, honestly. And we had 750 square feet. So we had two rooms. We had one locked door, two locked doors. Each room had a locked door. And then we had about 500 square feet in the warehouse. And that's it. 
And she looked at me and said, you want to be executive director? I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And I knew, I just knew. That was in December, 2015. A lot of life happened. I had to shut down my company. My mom passed, et cetera, et cetera, all these things. So I really didn't start until March of 2016. And by May-ish, I was told, hey, guess what? We're out of money. We're going to shut down. And I was like, really? No, we're not. And so struggle, struggle, went through it all saving pennies, nickels, and dimes in any way, shape, way I could. I took a pay cut, just the whole nine yards. And it was Labor Day weekend, September. Went into a meeting with her and she said, you have two choices, take it over or shut it down. And I said, I'll take it over. And if anybody knows anything about running a company or starting a company or taking over a company, every all the paperwork from federal, state, and local banks, all of that was done in a month because that was what was told to me. You will do this in a month or we're going to shut it down. The board and I made the decision. And I was like, done. And I got it done, plus ran Tech for Troops, got a new board on. And then in January, we got 3,000 laptops in from FEMA. And that changed the trajectory of Tech for Troops to now we have 7,000 square feet. We're looking to expand into other cities across the nation. We're almost ready to open a location in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I just got to get board approval and then we can move forward with that. I go to Texas next week to possibly open up in DFW, talking to folks in Houston and Austin. We literally have had a trajectory in four years going from 750 square feet to 7,000 square feet from two to three employees at times to now there's 12. You don't, uh, you don't enjoy a challenge, do you? No. It's, this, and, and it's interesting for me, right? You served in the Marine Corps in the mid-80s. And the, yeah. the story that you have coming out of the Marine Corps, it's the same story that, that a lot of service members are coming in. You know, I struggled, but you struggled for yeah. 10 years. You yeah. scrapped and saved. And it wasn't until the late 90s that you got on a trajectory. Yep. You built mastery in one area, and then you quote unquote, left that and started yep. over again, it's scrapping again and, and building something back up. Yeah. I look, I talk to my wife and I talk to other folks about this all the time. And it's how I've been my whole life. I've, I started my first job when I was 10 and I was mowing yards for another company, right? Our company. And back in the seventies, yard service was not that thing. Everybody mowed their own or they had a neighborhood kid doing it. I was working for a company making not much right back in the seventies. And I had a great boss and I've, I've taken what he has taught me and every boss since that time, whether it's good and bad. And I look at it and I say, I love what you've done. This is how I'm going to treat my employees. I hate what you've done. I'm never going to treat my employees that way. And so I think when you, you talk about the mastery and going through the 90s and the getting out of the Marine Corps, I always felt that there was that ownership managerial love of taking care of other people. And being a Marine and being honestly proud of being a Marine, I, I look at the veteran community as my brothers and sisters. Now, I understand that the Air Force is, they're not, but really they are at the same time. And then there's a few other things that we can talk to each other about. But when it gets down to it, I got their back. And that's what we do for them and their families is that if they need help, I actually got an email from a guy this morning. We got him a computer. I think he's in Houston, if I remember correctly. And he's, he changed my life. You don't understand what it means. And I'm like, yeah, I do understand. And that's what makes me get up in the morning, go to work every day. And I don't call it work, but it's lack of another term. It's what you tell me, is there another term for work? And, and in this, and this is really what I was going to get to was it's purpose and meaning, right? It's life yes. satisfaction. Something that we had when we were in the military is you were in the Marines and I was in the army and that likely you were searching for, you thought you might've found it in corporate America, but this idea of you walked into an organization that was literally supporting troops and you found literally what you say, what you were meant to do. 
Yeah, and and exactly. I call it soul satisfying, but that's not another word for work. That's just the feeling I get afterwards. It's work is always used by folks as a four-letter word. But if you love what you do, it's not work. It's a it's a something. It's a vocation. It's a something. And that's where I'm at right now. I got back from Green Bay last week. I'm going to Texas next week. It's not the travel. I don't want to be away from my wife and my grandkids. I really don't. But I know that when I go, I'm going to help somebody else. And that makes it worthwhile to spend that time away. And that's what Tech for Troops does. It's right. an organization that looks to solve common problems, improving the lives of veterans with a unique solution which is bridging the digital divide, right? There's a lot of different ways to improve service members and veterans' lives. What's unique about Tech for Troops and how have you seen it been effective over the last several years? Oh my goodness, we are unique in that. And I may be wrong, I don't think I am. We are the only veteran service organization that will give the training on a computer to teach you how to use a computer and then also give you or gift you that computer at the same time, period. Nobody else does that. We have a training facility, seats 24, vets come in, they learn how to, everything from powering it up to getting online to personal cybersecurity. We're actually changing our curriculum because of the need to teach Word, Excel, and PowerPoint as well. And then Outlook. Because everybody says, Gmail's great. I don't have a thing against Gmail. But when you're sending an email with an attachment of Word to an HR company or to a company and their system uses Word, Excel, and PowerPoint or accepts that more than they do any other thing else in other programs, you should have your resume in that. So we're going to make sure that we use the Microsoft products to do what we do and how we do it because those vets need that opportunity. It's I, I had a vet walk in, oh golly, it's about a month and a half ago now. We usually do Saturday classes and every just about every Saturday I come in and I, I give my speech to these men and women, whether they're looking for a job or not. They're the 3%, right? They raise their hands and say, protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, yada, and we're special. I'd love to smack everybody in the world and say, well, guess what? The veterans are the top of the top. There's nobody else other than us. And I don't think I'd be able to get away with that in today's world, but I'm going to, but I've that walk in the door late, like 30 minutes late. And I was like, what are you doing coming in late? This is your training class. He's like, no, I'm here. to. I, I got a computer about two years ago. I'm like, stop. And I brought him into the class. I stood in there and literally I'm about to cry. And he's like, my name's Marion. I got a job. I was, oh no, I'm a Vietnam medic. I was an alcoholic and a drug abuser. Clean tech for troops got me a computer. I have a job. I'm self-sustaining and I'm giving my computer back to the next fat. And it was like, oh my God, people, this is why we're here. And it was just, I walked away and I don't think I came down from that cloud for a couple of weeks because it was just, oh, that's what we do. That's who we are. And, and it's amazing to be able to tell that to people and have that soul satisfaction that I just, not me, Tech for Troops changed somebody's life, literally changed their life. It's not a handout, it's a hand up. And a lot of people say that. But that's what we do. And and so it's interesting, though, because a lot of people, maybe if they don't experience this digital divide, it's almost a no brainer. Like who doesn't have a computer? Who doesn't oh, know yeah. how to manage email? The person who has a full table doesn't realize what it's like to be hungry. And so especially, I mean, you were in the Marine Corps. I joined the Army in the early 90s. The only computer was the old green thing in the motor <laughs> pool that one guy knew how to use. So right. we're not that far away no. from people that are not digital natives that don't have this experience. And, and even then, we're seeing younger veterans come in from Iraq, Afghanistan. So you may have grown up without a computer. And then when you joined your infantry, are you lugging a computer around out there? No. Do you know how to use a computer? Are they going to teach you how to use a computer? No. So they come to us, whether they're in need or they don't know how to use a computer, but they learn additional skills on top of what they know. And that's the big deal. If they know how to turn it on and they know how to Wi-Fi and all that kind of stuff, great. But can we teach you some more? 
some personal cybersecurity, what's a password, what to do and not to do when you're in McDonald's or Starbucks or someplace, don't get on their Wi-Fi type of thing. So we bring all that in and I'm, I'm working towards financial literacy as well, because that's the key is financial literacy for people getting out. And now as they're out, how do we lift you out of where you're at? Because if we don't lift you, then we're a failure. In my mind, we're a failure because I don't want you to still be a vet because you have a computer still with a sign on the street corner. I want you to create that resume, get a decent job, making 25, 30 bucks an hour, but know how to handle your money so you don't roll back into something and then pawn the computer off and start all over again. I don't, that's not my goal. And, and so, and this is the idea of you're giving people tools, but you're helping in a very specific aspect. You're not giving them job training as in how to write a resume. You're giving them how to put a resume on Word and how to format it and yeah. stuff like that. But the yep. people that are helping them get jobs have the certain assumption that they already have some of these basic skills. And exactly. those people that are helping them get jobs aren't training them in those skills because that's not what they do. And so I see this as another way to collaborate with yep. other folks that are doing other things. Exactly. And, and and that's what Tech for Troops is all about. So we, we have, I'm not going to say thousands or hundreds of collaborations going on, but we do. Anybody who reaches out to us, especially a veteran service organizations like, hey, I want to help you guys come to San Antonio, say that. And here's what we do. Here's how we can partner together. That makes sense. Or it's, hey, we're a veteran service organization. We deal with homeless vets in Asheville, North Carolina. Can we get computers from you? Absolutely. So we do work with other organizations across the nation. We're looking to partner with other organizations to open up additional locations. So there's not there's a shared burden as well as a shared mission. So that is key for our success. I see the future. I try to see the future. Right? We all do. We all have that vision. But I, I look at our cell phones today, our smartphones is the way that computers are going. So we're still going to have some sort of keyboard. We're still going to have some sort of monitor screen, but they're going to get smaller and they're going to get Chromebook throwaways. So how do we teach our veterans then how to get online, do what they do, need to do with something that's going to become a throwaway? We got to give them the skill sets from the Word, Excel, PowerPoint, eventually future, A+, Security+, plus coding, who knows what else. But that's where we need to take them. So as they're getting out of the military, they come to us, they say, I need, I don't know how to use a Word document. What's that? And when they learn how to use it, and then they can create a resume and apply for jobs, and they can keep their job because they know how to format a document. Same with PowerPoint, Excel. And this is the idea of you're giving a veteran a fish to help them understand how valuable a fish is, and you're teaching them. Exactly. In this That's... idea of sustainability for you, thinking about the future, that could be challenging in this landscape. Sustainability for military and veteran support organizations, including fundraising, especially in where we're at in the nonprofit space, that could be difficult. It's extremely difficult. And honestly, last year was the worst year with COVID hitting, everything being shut down, physical donations. So computers just stopped coming in. Financial donations pretty much stopped coming in. We have the few monthly donations that we have, but how we, we made it was, I and quick story, I brought all my folks together when it happened and they were shutting us down and it was, okay, guys, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where we're going to go. I don't know how we're going to be sustainable, but I need to be flexible with everything that we do and how we do it. And one of my Marine buddies, right? So he's a brother of mine since he's a Marine. He like raises his hands like, I'm out of here. And he did it in a way of love, not of hatred. And he he still comes in and we talk, but he left because he knew that the, and it wasn't a burden, but his hours 
time and money going out was not sustainable at the time. And that, again, is a soul warming soul's effort on his part for me because he saw what the need was and he made it. We didn't receive anything for, for two months last year. We didn't give out a computer because we had nothing coming in, but it also allowed us to look inward and change our processes and procedures, change our space around completely to where we are much more process oriented and in a way that it's faster, cleaner, leaner, meaner, the military wants to be. And we're still more, I'm going to use the word lethal, but not in a negative connotation because effective. we're effective. Thank you. We're able to bring in computers, wipe them, guarantee wiping, no data, complete data destruction, as well as crush the hard drives if the data wiping fails, right? So if you hand me your laptop, I'm going to guarantee it 100%. And corporations are now looking at us and paying us to do those. So we were able to tweak and change and become more effective. And now we're being looked at differently because of what we went through. And, and some of that, though, is, and we were talking before we started, was for some of us, it's a no-brainer, right? I'm a mental health counselor. I'm like, who doesn't want to donate to help veteran get mental health yeah. treatment? Who doesn't want to, if you, like you said, if you were on the outside looking in, this would be a no-brainer. But yeah. somehow it's harder, whether it's donor fatigue or there's just too many choices, there are too many different types of catch-up. I don't yeah. know what to do, but just fundraising can be challenging for someone in your position. Absolutely. You know, we all watch TV, but I like to watch TV and I see the commercials for some of the other nonprofits out there that are massive. And at, am I jealous? You bet. But am I not jealous? You bet. And the reason why is because I know they're spending millions on marketing to make millions. And is that where we want to be? Not really. Do I want to see myself on TV? Do I want to see temperatures on TV? You bet. But man, do I want to spend millions to be able to make millions? I'd much rather put that money into the program and support my veterans in a way that's meaningful. And not that they don't, don't get me wrong. They're doing what they're doing because they know what they're doing. But for me, it's more along the lines of the individual, the, the Marion who walked in the door, the Vietnam medic. That's where it's at for me. Am I shortening my vision? Maybe so. But I don't think at the detriment of Tech for Troops, I think that all comes down to how we treat our veterans, men and women. It doesn't make a difference. When it comes to that fundraising, I have a hard time asking because I just think our mission is so important and, and folks don't, they don't see it until they walk in the door. I've had two conversations with folks and they're like, you're just a small mom and pop shop. And I'm like, no, we're not. And no, 7,000 square feet is not small. And then expanding is not small. That's not what we are. Well, your 990, your tax form shows it. And I'm like, that never tells the story of, of what we've done. So I got to figure out a way, maybe with others help and how to change that narrative to where I can ask for that funding without feeling like I'm dirty or something. It's not dirty. It's just, I feel right. It's going to happen. No. And I appreciate that honesty because I think that's what a lot of veterans in the nonprofit space and what I've experienced feel the same way. It's I'm passionate about this. I don't understand how other people aren't passionate about this. Yeah. And especially it, it's not like you're in corporate America where you're, someone's investing in something where they're going to get a rate of return on a certain thing. Right. Here you're getting a rate of return, as you said, on your soul, not in your yeah. pocketbook. Yeah, that's actually a great way of putting it. You're absolutely right. I think that's why nonprofits are supported, churches are supported, because you want to have that rate of return on your soul. And not to get religious on folks, but 
that's really what it comes down to. My, my dad and my mom, my dad still living, my mom passed, have always told me that you, you can't take it with you. We all know that. But the only thing you leave in life when you pass is your name. And if your name is sullied or dirty in any way because you were not as giving as you could have been, then there's an issue for your kids. They have to live down that or live up to that, whichever way you want to go. And I want to leave my kids and my grandkids to, to, to looking up to giving more. And both of my daughters do that. And I hope my grandkids do the same thing. One of my daughters, I'll give a quick story. She's a real estate agent. I love her, love her. And she had a missionary come in and say, we need to sell our house so we can go to X. And she's like, I'll forgo my 3%, give it to you, keep it. Because it's the right thing to do. That makes me feel good. I did something right in life. And I think that's where a lot of nonprofit organizations feel as though the mission sells itself and us feeling like we have to sell something can be a little frustrating. Now, I, I think what you're doing is great. Hopefully, you'll continue to expand. Love to hear that you're going to, to Texas and Green Bay and so on. If folks want to find out more about Tech for Troops, how can they do that? So we have all the normal social media, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitters, and all that kind of stuff. So easiest place to find us is at techfortroops.org. That's T-E-C-H-F-O-R-T-R-O-O-P-S.org or our LinkedIn and my personal LinkedIn as well. Of course, it's Mark Casper, A-R-K-C-A-S-B-E-R, like the ghost. Yes, Casper. Yes, that's me. But that's the easiest place to go and then see what we do. Like we in Richmond on the 12th, we're going to have a 5K walk, run, ruck. And if you want to support us at your Richmond or you can do it distance wise and like you, you're in California, you want to do that and support us. We would love to have your support on that. In August, we're having a poker run, a motorcycle poker run. Can't really do that distance wise, but if you're in the Richmond area or close by for that, and then we also have a really cool event. This will be our fifth year. It's called Hack for Troops. It's a cybersecurity fundraising event. So it's a capture the flag. And last year during COVID, the last year, we did it completely online. And we had almost 700 competitors from around the world. So that really was cool. And we need sponsors for that. We need to be able to make it happen. And that's part of what we're asking for as well. Absolutely. So we'll make sure that all of those are in the show notes. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you, Dwayne. I appreciate it. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. I'm glad to have been able to have this conversation with Mark. One of the things that came up for me during the interview is this idea of the comprehensiveness of technology in our lives. It's so widespread that we often don't think of those who aren't as familiar or comfortable with it. I imagine it was like the golden age of radio, where it was inconceivable that anyone didn't have one, or the idea of a home without a television. But it wasn't that long ago that computers and internet technology were the stuff of science fiction. Of the five generations alive today, the World War II generation, baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z, the first three are analog natives, and the last two are digital natives. Generation X is the first generation that widespread technology emerged during our childhood, but millennials and Gen Z are growing up with technology at their fingertips. But what does that mean for veterans? As Mark pointed out, the modern service member has technology coming out of their ears, but that technology is used for specific purposes. The infantryman in Afghanistan wasn't figuring out how to format a document in Microsoft Word. They were loading their radios for communication security with encryption from the ANCD and communicating through Blue Force Tracker. Even farther back than that, Vietnam and Cold War veterans of the baby boomer and early Gen X generations were using paper maps, acetate overlays, and grease pencils. 
The digital divide is a very real thing, and the technological skills that one needs for the modern workforce aren't often taught in the military. It's great to hear that Tech for Troops is focusing on this issue. Another point that I'd like to make, and likely one that would appeal to those of you listening who are in organizational leadership or hope to be someday, is the topic of the challenges in fundraising for nonprofits that support service members, veterans, and their families. According to a report published by the Bush Institute in partnership with the Institute for Veterans and Military Families at Syracuse University, which I'll link to in the show notes, there are more than 45,000 nonprofit organizations that serve the military-affiliated population. Some are large and well-known, and others are just getting started. As the report states, in the nonprofit world, competition for funding can be just as fierce as competition for customers between for-profit enterprises, and this competition can drive a need for nonprofits to evolve and improve their operations using organizational effectiveness theories as a starting point. In other words, nonprofits must become similar to for-profit organizations in the sense of there needs to be a measurement of outcomes and demonstration that the programs that are being funded are effective. We're way past the days of saying X amount of veterans served in our program over the last period of time. That's like the old McDonald's hamburger signs that used to say over 100 billion sold. That's just talking about the number of hamburgers that were sold, not the quality of hamburgers that were sold. In order to obtain fundraising for service members, veterans, and their families, we must necessarily show value in an organization that's not collecting data to show that their programs are making measurable differences in the lives of those that they serve are not going to receive much funding. A problem with that is that developing, implementing, and evaluating outcome data is an administrative cost that's often not covered by funding that the organization receives. Going back to the Bush Institute report, they observe that funds are often directed to programs, so it's hard for organizations to invest in innovations that will improve their delivery of services. So fundraising is a significant barrier to support, and it's a challenge for many organizations to remain in operation. Again, hearing Mark's example, Tech for Troops was going to close up shop due to fundraising concerns, and his corporate experience helped him think about the organization in a different way. If you're in the leadership of a military and veteran nonprofit, I recommend that you take a look at the Bush Institute report, Serving Our Post-9-11 Veterans, Leading Practices Among Nonprofit Organizations. As I mentioned, there will be a link in the show notes. For this week's PsychArmor Resource of the Week, I'd like to highlight their course series on Internet Literacy for Veterans, sponsored by Internet Essentials from Comcast. The internet has changed how we communicate and share information. There's a wide array of resources for veterans and their families on the internet. With the generous support of Comcast Internet Essentials, PsychArmor created a series of courses with instructions on how to access and use them. Learn how to find support programs in your community, access medical services and VA benefits, find jobs, and prepare for employment in this series of short courses. You can check out this resource by going to the link in the show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at psycharmor.org forward slash BTM27, as well as on the PsychArmor website. You will find the link to everything we talked about in today's show, as well as hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. Thank you for joining me on this episode and for continuing to join us on this journey. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation, and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you think about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. 
This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by Psych Armor. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we would like for you to do that, but make sure you let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.